Hello and welcome to the third episode of Text But In Words. I'm here with Ben Uncle of Scanline Media. Hey there! And uh, Johnny Niska of the Internet. Hey! And we're going to talk this time about uh, the free-to-play fighting game Rising Thunder by Seth Killian and the... Uh, shoot, what are their names? Oh no, those brothers. You know, Evo and... Sure you can... Well, we could guys. find out the name of the actual studio. That would probably be easier. The Cannon Brothers. The Cannon Brothers. The Cannon Brothers? Yes, the Cannon Brothers. Their last name is Cannon. The studio is called Radiant Games. Okay. Okay. I don't think I ever knew that. Anyway, it's a free-to-play fighting game on PC. It is... They are rolling out content and updates. It's. I don't think... Like, it was in beta for a little while, and I think technically it's out now, but it's still very incomplete. No, it's, it's in alpha right now. <laughs> it just has one background. It's still... This is still an alpha. It's just an open alpha. Okay, open alpha. Sorry, it was in a closed alpha before, and they said, hey, it's coming out, by which they meant into open alpha. Um, I imagine by the time they hit release, they will have a lot of cosmetics and stuff, because they're doing the Dota 2 model of free-to-play, which is... We are selling cosmetics and nothing else. Mm-hmm. So, um... Do you want me to introduce the game? Because I probably know the most of it, of all of us. Sure. So, uh, Rising Thunder is this new free-to-play fighting game. For PC only. Like, that's the first big weird thing. But... The goal of Rising Thunder is twofold. First of all, is to make a fighting game that can be played online and like is designed so that online actually works. And secondly, to make it significantly easier for people to get into fighting games. Rising Thunder is not only aiming for people who have played fighting games before and have never gotten into it super hard, but also for people who have never played fighting games before. Any objections <laughs> so far? Uh- not not with the stated goals of the project. No, let, we'll get into that. <laughs> okay, for me, the way that it controls is... I actually really like the way it controls because it really boils things down to this level where it is very playable with the keyboard. Like, I, I get into this... I get into the sort of rhythm I see people in more legitimate, quote-unquote, fighting games get into with combos and all that stuff rather easily and that's pretty nice yeah so the way it controls is that you have you have light medium and heavy attack and then you have three special buttons a throw button and a super button everything is a button there are no quarter circles there are no anything of that sort you just hit the button and the move comes out this has advantages and disadvantages. The obvious advantages are that it makes it lots easier to learn a game, especially for those who are not knowledgeable about fighting games in general. The disadvantages are, of course, that there are certain complexities that arise from the, the more complex control scheme that, for example, make it so that you can't throw a fireball while walking forward in Street Fighter. You just can't. It comes out as a shoryuken. And that doesn't exist in this game, so that makes the balance of moves weird in a way. But they're trying to 
to balance around that. Mm-hmm. I, I feel kind of weird even getting into the balance right now because it's clear that it's in such a weird state that the Rising Thunder we're talking about today will likely not be the Rising Thunder whenever it launches for real. Oh, it's supposed to have at least twice the characters and lots more stuff, so obviously the balance will be different. And I guess the thing I would say to that is, like, one, we're gonna... I think we're not specifically gonna talk about, like, Talos's crouching medium is too strong, right? We're not talking, like, specific balance issues. We're talking what's sort of the big picture of how the, the design works with traditional fighting game design. And also, the only way they're going to make this better is if people are giving them feedback along the way. Yes. You know? Yes, totally. And... So. Like, we're going to have to talk about the way the balance is right now, because we're representing the game as it is now. We can't expect... We can't assume that it's going to be different in the future. That's up to them to make it different. So, uh, Ben, you started talking Mm -hmm. with the controls. Um... And I think probably that's a good first topic of conversation. I think it controls like shit. Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. I think, I mean, part of it is the default control scheme, which is WASD for movement, and then JKL semicolon UIO, which is just trash. It's well, that, it's pretty fucking bad. That's one of the ways you that they have bounded by default. There's also like... They have those buttons also bound to the key to the keypad, so you have light, medium, heavy on one, two, three on the numpad, and the specials on four, five, six, throw on zero, and super on space. Which I'm not terribly fond of the default throw location for that, but other than that, that's what I use. I don't know. For me, what um I can, it's really easy to move my fingers slightly up and down to reach the UIO and JKL. It's positioned in a really nice place for me. It's really easy to move your fingers, but it's, that's the problem is that it's really easy to move your fingers. Many times in fights, I've realized that my fingers wandered one space off on the keyboard, and I'm just pressing completely the wrong keys. Because... Yeah, and I had that problem before I tried using the numpad keys, and, like... I, I do think that, that it's completely idiotic to even to even suggest that any player should control it with the JKL semicolon thing, because, yeah, you, it is way too easy to lose your, your fingers in there. But more than that, I feel like WASD is obviously a like, tried-and-true sensible combination for directions, right? Controlling a fighting game with WASD makes it feel really stiff and clunky to me. I think it feels... It just has a really bad feel. Um, And I, like... I assume probably by the time this comes out, they will have support for controllers, maybe sticks. um, Which could help. But just that, like, that digital movement for something that's very analog feels really bad to me. So, there are a lot of people who agree with you. And, like, I watched I watched a tournament of this game over the weekend, and most of the players brought arcade sticks and configured them with joy to key And <laughs> I tried yeah. playing with a PS3 controller, and honestly, like, when you don't have to do the motions for special moves, I prefer the keyboard controls to a gamepad. 
I just, I mean, it's not a question of the motions to me. Like, I mean, it's a, like, it's not like the, the WASD are ineffective. I just think they have a really bad feel. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's part of how I feel about the whole game, which is I feel like it all feels really stiff and clumsy. Um, I should get out of the way out front. I, Ben and Johnny like this game. They have their, I know, I know at least Johnny has some, some qualms with this game, but generally they both like it. I hate this game. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I didn't hate this game even. Like, before, yesterday, me and Johnny were like, well, we've been planning to record this for a while. We should play a little bit more now that private matches are in. And I went from being like, well, I don't like this game, but I appreciate what it's trying to do. And over the course of those matches, I was like, no, actually, I really hate this. Um, so the the way you explained how you felt that the game felt to me before was like Street Fighter 4, but throw your playing with Play-Doh? <laughs> I think, no, specifically what I said was Street Fighter 4 by way of Macromedia Flash Player. Ooh, oh, that's, that's, that's a really good burn. Yeah, and I don't I don't agree at all. Like, I think this game is pretty stale. I think Street Fighter 4 is more stale than this. I have played Street Fighter 4 more recently than you. Have you? Uh, two days ago. Okay, yes, you have. I have played Street Fighter 4 this year quite extensively against a friend who lives down in Umeo, and I fucking hate that game. Like, I have a friend who only plays Street Fighter 4. And I play that game against him sometimes. I cannot stand how the controls feel in that. Like, (laughs) at all. Anyway. It's it's definitely a very similar style. And I think the thing that pushes it over the edge to feeling worse to me is probably the keyboard controls. Um, And also, a lot of the elements of character design that I think are just trash. Um, I mean, like, like, part of... Part of what motions for special moves add to a game is adding the feel and adding the, like, like you mentioned the sort of, like, the walk-forward fireball thing. Yeah. The fact that you can't do that in Street Fighter gives certain characters a feel, like, you, Ryu sort of has a zoning mode and he can't really mix it with his rushdown as well. Um, and with, uh, what's her name? The, uh, Shell, the... Ryu-like character in Rising Thunder, like, it feels so... It feels so Flash game to me, the way you can just, like, hold forward and just tap fireball every once in a while and just sort of walk towards them throwing fireballs. It just feels very... plastic. It feels like shit. Yeah, but at the same time, if you're playing that way, you're gonna get hit pretty quickly, because... I mean, I... If you're if you are literally just holding forward and tapping fireball, yes you are. But it's not like walking towards someone and throwing fireballs is inherently a bad play. It's just like the way that everything is a single tap of the button is kind of a good thing, but I think it's also kind of a bad thing because it just means that nothing has any The differences between specials and normals is only that some of them have cooldowns. There's no there's no difference in how they feel to execute there's no it it makes everything feel really weird i mean like the everything feels really weird that's entirely a personal feel thing but i 
can't agree that it doesn't feel like the specials and normals are different because like the normals all all do relatively like just poke like a regular attack thing the specials are all very much an out there weird thing you do i guess that's truer in this game because they don't have the idea of unique normals which like in a lot of fighting games like characters will have a couple of moves that are like oh you're holding forward and then you press medium punch and you'll do this like quick little you know like double kick or something this game totally has that but there are command normals but they aren't as oh like they are not nearly as out there as the specials are i thought probably there were but earlier you said that there was no combination of buttons it was just one button for everything so oh there there, there's no like there's no motion inputs but there are like you have most a lot of characters have forward plus medium is an overhead right and i i had never trot gotten close to someone and then just hit medium so i th- I just assumed it was like oh if you're close to someone and you hit medium you just do an overhead it's like oh no apparently it's holding forward i thought that but then you said that earlier so i got confused um i don't know then i don't yeah i guess it's it's not an area where we're going to agree but it's just like no i just feel like well, I think we agree more than you think because I do agree that the, that there is a certain sense you get from the motions in other fighting games. I just think that's a perfectly acceptable trade-off and I greatly prefer this. I mean, I basically want Guilty Gear but with specials that are this easy to, to input. That's the game I want. Hmm. I guess... I mean, like, I don't... What this game aims to do, as we mentioned, is it wants to make the game, like, the fighting game genre easier to get into for people. And I feel like it does, it makes some good moves in that direction, I guess, but I feel like overall it's sort of a false... I feel like it fakes people out. I feel like it pretends to be easier than it is, and you get into it, and there's still a lot of fighting game bullshit. And I think that's, like, there are characters that have one-frame links. Or at least there is a character. There are not that many characters right now. Um, I believe that both Edge and and Vlad currently have one-frame links. At least Vlad does. There are still, like, characters based on Vortex, which is the idea that when you knock someone down, you can basically set them up so that when they are standing up, they have very... I don't know, how would you define it? I would say very few options to not just get hit into a combo again as they are standing. So the Vortex archetype is an archetype popularized by Street Fighter 4. And these are characters that create a situation where when you wake up from being knocked down, you have to guess what your opponent is doing and he will have multiple different options. And unless you guess the exact right one, he will knock you down again. And do damage, knock you down, repeat. Yeah. And so there's Vortex in Rising Thunder. There are one-frame links in Rising Thunder. There are juggle combos in Rising Thunder, and the juggle system is specific so that some things will juggle and some will not, and there's a specific number of juggles. And in some ways, they handle some of that better than other fighting games. Like, during a combo, it says, you know, like, juggle one out of five, two out of five, counting the number of juggles that you have. Mm. And that's kind of nice, but that's placing a band-aid over a bullet hole and i totally agree i totally agree there 
it's just like i feel like these guys had a noble goal of like let's make fighting games more accessible and they didn't understand what was inaccessible about fighting games at all people with enough practice can do a hadoken that's like every i don't think there's a human being out there that couldn't learn to do a hadoken with a little bit of practice and i'm fine with the idea of taking that away i, I don't need that not at all but thinking that that's what stops people from getting good at fighting games is hilarious to me. There is something to be said about um, getting people who have pretty much been playing fighting games for their whole lives and basically telling I mean, them taking up the mantle of trying to make it more accessible. That seems like it's might be a little misguided. Like They should have people who play things that are nothing remotely like fighting games in there and contributing to try and make things more accessible. So what they've been trying to do with this alpha is they've been trying to get those people in. Like they that's why they've been promoting this game to people like Giant Bomb and stuff. Because they want these people in. That's why the game is open to everyone at this early stage. But like so call it. I don't entirely agree when you say that, like... Okay, I agree with, with you in that inputs are not the main or only problem to becoming truly good at fighting games, and there are more things they could do. Things I would love to see them do to improve that. But I still think that the, simplifying the inputs is a hugely relevant part of this. I mean, I think it's hugely relevant because they don't do anything better. I think it's relevant because it's the best thing they do because they don't do anything <laughs> good. No, I don't, like I no like I, I how how much how much time have we spent playing KOF thirteen together? Uh, I believe somewhere in the neighborhood of thirty hours. Jeez, That's how much? How much? How often in a session? Do one or two of us scream, Oh my god, I can't get my input. I don't tend to scream it. <laughs> but it's a thing. I quite, a thing. I, I mutter it in a really disappointed voice. But no, I'm not like... <clears throat> the thing is, though, that's not... Like, there are already normal fighting games where I never have any trouble with inputs that still use those old inputs. And I don't think that's... I would say Rising Thunder's attitude towards inputs is better than its reality towards inputs because that's the problem is the attitude. KOF has an attitude of you will meet us on our terms or you will get nothing. And that's an attitude that way too many fighting games have. And Rising Thunder's attitude is we want to make this work for you. And that's a great attitude that I wish all fighting game developers had. That's the distinction, not the inputs to me but the way you think about those inputs and ask players to make those inputs. I must admit I'm not sure what you mean. Like I okay, so let me let me talk about like how these have changed how I I personally compete online in these games. Like there is no other fighting game where I can with such confidence as in Rising Thunder walk up to and start doing something and know that I will be able to input it. Hmm. Like, in every other fighting game, basically except Super Smash Brothers, there is a will I be able to get the right move question. 
And that changes how I do combos. That changes which strings I do. That changes my tactics. Because in most games, I have to think like, okay, what of which of these options am I actually likely to land? And that that doesn't sound like a completely bad thing in theory, but in practice, it means that it means that it becomes so much more of an input question a lot of the time, and that doesn't exist to the same degree in Rising Thunder. I guess I would say there are normal fighting games where I don't have that issue at all. I don't think in Persona 4 Arena or in Blaze Blue, I have the issue of, am I going to get this out? I don't have that issue. You also play on an arcade stick, which is a piece of equipment that I literally cannot afford. I'm not trying to shame you here, Johnny. No, like, I, I, I know, but I'm also saying that, like, if the goal is to get people who do not play fighting games into fighting games... How many of them are is this going to be true for? Like, how many is your experience going to be typical for all these people? I do not believe so, even a little bit. I don't think that's unfair, but I don't know. I think I think Rising Thunder goes just steps too short, like. I think Rising Thunder sets out thinking, like, how do I take fighting games? And <clears throat> So, I agree with Ben and disagree with Ben, with what he said earlier when he said that they should have had people who don't play fighting games make this game. Because, on the one hand, I think if you take people who didn't play fighting games and made this game, they don't know what's good about fighting games. They're not going to get it right. Like, the idea is that these are people who know what's great about the genre, trying to help people who can't see it understand but on the other hand these people are way too far inside to do what needs to be done they're still making assumptions about like well of course we need overheads and back to block and we need high low mix-ups and we need crossovers and ambiguous crossovers and i think there's a whole lot of of traditional fighting games in here that just don't need to be here I totally agree on some of those things you listed. <laughs> I don't think... I'm not saying they're all bad. I think none. Of, I just think that they weren't thought about. I don't think there was a step in the process where they said, hang on, should ambiguous cross-ups be a thing? I think they just sort of took it for granted. And obviously... I'm, I... not, sure if, I'm not sure if they took it for granted, but like, I, I can't make that judgment. But let's make this concrete. The difference between my my intro to this game and the reality, the unfortunate reality of Rising Thunder, is that currently it seems less like they are trying to make a more accessible fighting game, and more like they are trying to make a more accessible Street Fighter 4. And that is, like, to me, that is the root of all the problems. Every single thing about Rising Thunder that I wish were different is the thing that is like Street Fighter 4. There's definitely something about the art style that screams Street Fighter 4 to me, particularly with the way it animates and moves. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Street Fighter 4 has kind of... has been the biggest dog in this genre for a while. Uh, Seth Killian, who is one of the one of the three main people on this project, has been one of the biggest casters for Street Fighter, uh, you know, pro play. Um, the Cannon Brothers run SureYouCan.com, which is a fighting game news site that ends up writing a lot about Street Fighter 4, and the other one runs Evo, 
where the biggest game at the event is Street Fighter 4. Like, these are people that are really immersed in Street Fighter 4. And not only has Seth done lots of casting in Street Fighter 4, he's been a, a significant part of the creation of Street Fighter 4, so... That's true. Uh, Though not as not as significant as people think, unfortunately. He's um, been more of a PR person than anything else, but yes, he has been involved. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, on this podcast, you have two people who think Street Fighter 4 is pretty bad. Me and Johnny. Um, obviously, that's where we're coming from, and a lot of the community does not agree with us. But in any case, Street Fighter 4 does some things very differently from a lot of the genre. And if your goal is to introduce people to the genre, you're doing a bad job if you're just introducing them to Street Fighter 4. Well, but I'm not sure if that's true either. Because, okay, so first let me qualify the things about... The- in Street Fighter 4 is bad. I think Street Fighter 4 is a terrible game to play if you're not extremely good at the genre. I do recognize how much depth there is to the game at a competitive level, but it's not a fun game to play for me at all. But, uh, okay, so the reason why they have chosen Street Fighter 4 seems obvious to me. It's like, it is the biggest game. It is the the mainstream phase of uh, of fighting games. If you want a game that is like, oh, this is like fighting games, but you can play it, then what you want that to look like for the com- for the uh, for the audience out there is probably like Street Fighter Four, but a game you can play. Like I, as a business move, I think they have completely made the, the correct decision. Unfortunately, that has problems for the quality of the game I think yeah I don't know if I agree with all that but that's just getting down to how much like that's getting into calls of business and I don't know that that's really our our place to, to talk uh, okay, about okay so, so, so let me let me change what I let me change my argument it's not only the correct business decision but if your goal is to convert as many people as possible then you need to get as many people as possible interested. And I think looking like Street Fighter 4 is how you do it. I think you can look like Street Fighter 4 visually without needing to copy their playstyle, and I think the people who you're trying to convert aren't going to be able to tell. You're correct to, to some extent. I'm not sure to what extent. I mean, I don't think you make... Like, there there are a lot of great dynamics for fighting games out there like KOF's three character team system or like I don't know, uh, like Guilty Gear's you know, air dash heavy game meter when you're running towards opponents and like start taking extra damage if you're backing off for too long like systems that are built for people who are enthusiasts of the genre that are really fantastic and I think those don't belong in this game right? Okay, I'm really glad that's where we went with that I was scared (laughs) I don't think you can introduce people to the genre with Guilty Gear's style. I think that would terrify people. But It, it terrifies me most of the time. I di- and I display Guilty Gear because it looks good, basically. And I like the characters. That, see, that's my, pro- that's my thing with lots of this fighting game stuff, with this discussion. I'm kind of out of my element because the main reason I play fighting games is because I really like the characters in fighting games. I mean, and I don't think that's at all invalid like there are fighting games like i would probably like guilty gear a lot it has a lot of systems that i enjoy but i hate the characters in that game and i can't play it 
yeah, like, I think you, you say this as if that makes you different than the two of us, but it sounds like your motivation for getting into fighting games is basically the same as Colin's. And I feel like that's part of the problem, right? Which is, like, on, on a grander scale, I am falling out of love with fighting games is a really stupid and melodramatic way of phrasing it, but, like, week by week, month by month, I'm just more and more being like, man, I'm really fed up with what fighting games are interested in and how they want to change things and wondering what I see in them. Because I feel like it's a genre that is extremely arrogant, has no self-awareness, and doesn't know how to improve itself. And Rising Thunder just seems like the perfect example of that because it's just like this olive branch to non-fighting game players of like, oh no, we're going to open the door for you. We're going to show you how fighting games are great and how you can enjoy them. And it just seems so misguided to me that it's almost hilarious. I think you're probably being too harsh there. I think there is, like, I think even without changing the direction of the project you could make something really good out of Rising Thunder. I'm I would sure like you could. To, I would like to talk some about, like, from the perspective of what they should change if they want to make this game easier to learn, some of the things they really need to do. Okay. So, like, one of the things that I learned after first visiting the Rising Thunder forum is that Shell's Fireball has a thing where its cooldown is dramatically shorter if you hit the opponent or the opponent blocks it. Just gets cut like by 90% so she can fire it immediately again. There is no way for you as a player who is facing a shell to see that. There is no like, there is no visual indication on shell when you block her shot or anything like that. There is nothing indicating that something is happening on shell when you block the shot. And you're just supposed to figure that out somehow and experienced fighting games play game players can tell like i've spoken to several people who played against shell and just figured it out but if you're a person who is new to fighting games how are you supposed to tell this yeah these are the sort of questions that Rising Thunder are not answering right now, and it is in early beta, and a lot of these abilities may change before release. So maybe this is something they are planning to do in the future. I hope this is something they plan to do in the future. But right now, right now they're not doing it. Right now there's very little, little visual indication for effects of that nature. Like, when you dash cancel, uh, a move in Rising Thunder, S some abilities cooldowns are cut. I don't know how that works. I've played 200 matches of this game. I do not know the specifics of how this system works. I don't know if it's every attack. I don't know if it's a few attacks because a dash cancel is something that is relatively rare and just and happens when you are like too busy focusing on what you're doing to look at the meters. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm honestly not sure how this stuff works. I played 200 matches. Yeah, and it's not even a full game yet. Like, if if they continue along this trajectory without course correcting, imagine how many things like that there will be in the final game. 
Well, like, I can also, I, I can totally see a reality where they are aware of this and they are planning to, like, that is supposed to be a later thing after they have established what they want these characters to do. Sure. And, like, established what the roster is that they, they then will implement it. I really hope that's what they're doing because if not, they're gonna throw away so much potential here. here. I'll avoid being salty. And I'll just say, <laughs> maybe you're right. I I feel like... I mean, certainly I think there is potential for this to turn into a pretty special game. And I think... I don't think it's ever going to be a game that you see like crazy high-level play of. And I think that's just sort of something inherent, right? Like, I think it has a lower skill ceiling. And I don't think that's a bad thing. But I think that's a thing that you need to not, like, pretend doesn't exist, right? Like, I don't know, like, I'm sure you'll be able to play well, you'll be able to have tournaments of this that are, that are, you know, worth watching and people are clearly better than other people, but, like, lots of fighting games with really high skill ceilings, it's just sort of like the difference between a casual player and a professional player is night and day, and that is part of what makes pro play interesting. And I've seen, like, I've seen some matches of, of really good players in Rising Thunder, and I can, like, wow, these people are definitely better than me. But it is not that different. And that's not a problem, but I think it's never going to be, like, oh, this is the total picture of fighting games. I think this is always going to be a fighting game that you play a lot of, and if you get really into it, then you transition to better fighting games. Well, not, not better, excuse me. I think better, but that's not objective. Um, to more advanced fighting games, right? Yeah, and there's... I definitely think it would be... I see where you're coming from because you've often talked about how the reason you're so into Dota 2 is because it has this infinite amount of learning that's going on. Like, you spend dozens of hours and you still haven't learned next to anything about how the full game functions. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely feel like there's something to that with fighting games where the the more there is to discover, the longer life it has competitively. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's this could... total, That's totally true. And I, I think there's something else about Dota 2 that is... that this game doesn't have. It's, it's that... It, it, Dota 2 is the ultimate example of doing this thing that, I, as I said, Rising Thunder isn't doing with just having subtle visual cues to teach you things. Yeah. Dota 2 is the best at that. Like, it looks incomprehensible at the surface, but once you start getting into it, it has so many different things to clue you into these completely arcane mechanics that should be almost unteachable. And yet it manages it so much better than pretty much any other MOBA, even. And certainly, in my opinion, all fighting games. And that's part of what I think of as being the arrogance of fighting games is that they're so unwilling to help you learn. Like, they, people... People, like, developers who honestly think throwing in a training mode and a lesson mode where it occasionally is like, if you do this, this, and this, there's a combo in there somewhere, good luck figuring out the timing. If you actually think you're teaching people with that, <laughs> screw you. I... Dota is amazing at teaching people stuff, and I think that's something that if Rising Thunder wants to help people get into the game, get into the genre, 
that's a burden it really needs to tackle is the idea of teaching people and not just teaching people through just like here go read some frame data teaching people with visual cues within the game that help people figure things out yeah that's what good game design does yeah i'm blanking on the name right now but there was this fighting game i played very recently where i had no idea what i was trying to do in it so i went to the tutorial mode and it was just like execute all these combos and it didn't really oh yeah I remember now it was I was playing Killer Instinct Classic and it it, it just gives you a list of <laughs> combos that you need to that you need to accomplish but doesn't explain what any of the buttons are or what you're actually doing mm-hmm. so I just kind of messed around in training for a bit kept getting failure messages without any clues about what I was doing wrong and eventually I was just like yeah I'll I'll play something else and closed it yeah. Those old Killer Instinct games are some of the most overhyped bullshit I have ever seen in the genre, in the industry, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, Killer Instinct, the new one, is so much better. It is, like, millions of times better. It really is. And so, I th- like, I, w- I want to make an, an analogy between those two games, actually. Like, the new Killer Instinct also has a... a pretty compressed skill ceiling compared to say Street Fighter mm-hmm. it, has, it is significantly simpler at a competitive level it still made it to EVO Yeah, I think this game will make it to EVO oh sure I think it will too and I think part of that will be just be the community of like imagine the people that we could get at EVO because I mean you look at the fighting game finals and there are a few games a few games accepted you're seeing a lot of the same faces over and over. And that's not a bad thing, but it would be so exciting to have a new game pop up at Evo that just had an entirely fresh community of people that were like, ah, I just picked this up and started playing. And Street Fighter 4 was the last time that happened, basically. Yeah. And maybe it's a little optimistic of me to think that that can happen, but I think even with all the problems I have with Rising Thunder, it's our best shot at getting that. I think... I think that it could happen. I don't think it's going to be an entirely new community. Oh, I mean, it's, there's certainly going to be some it's older players. It's similar enough. Like, I mean, Justin Wong has dipped his toes into into Rising Thunder. We know this. He plays Edge, apparently. Um, of course he does. <laughs> Filipino Champ plays Rising Thunder. He was in that tournament I saw. Yeah. I, uh... Yeah. I want but there, this game there, to there's... figure things out. Yeah, of, of... I think we all want that. Yeah. Can I say the part about the, this game that I actually really, really like that you guys are probably going to think I'm crazy for liking? Sure. Go ahead. I love the characters. Like, the way that the robots are designed. How it's... It basically is taking the idea that Street Fighter actually had of a worldwide community of fighters and brings it to a whole new level because these people actually have their own style. They they talk within their own language 90% of the time. So most of the time you're hearing German and Italian and Spanish and languages like that popping out instead of English. And it feels like everyone has this very specific personality, both drawn out by the way that the robots animate and the way that they actually interject their commentary and the way that and the way that it's presented just makes me feel great fighting as Crow or um, I'm blanking on the name, but that one that's basically 
a giant robot controlled by a little kid, and the way that the visor comes down over the eyes to make him look like he's angry. I love that. <laughs> the visual design is, generally speaking, I think pretty excellent. And I, I certainly, like, I think the character design is pretty good. I think there, there are places where it could use some work, but, like, it's a great start. And it's... I'm, it's I... I it's significantly better than Street Fighter 4 ever managed. Yeah, because it's kind of free of all those different stereotypes that Street Fighter had for the longest time, like T-Hawk and all those other characters are basically gigantic racial stereotypes, and Rising Thunder manages to avoid that both by having them speak their native language and also by extrapolating them through robots instead of trying to differentiate them by actual ethnicity. Mm -hmm. So the Asian swordsman is not Japanese in this game. Ooh. Well, also he's not using a katana, so. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But yeah, you, it would be so easy to just, we have an Asian robot let's make him Japanese and give him a katana. But that's not what they did. I mean, it's not, to me, it's not about, like, it's about whether you think it's, like, malicious or meant to be, like, jokey and friendly. In Street Fighter 4, they use stereotypes to represent people in a way that I really don't care for. And in Rising Thunder, they're just using stereotypes to represent stereotypes. I mean, that's the that's kind of the beauty of the robots, is that they can inherently be stereotypes, and that's fine, because they're robots. <laughs> so uh, in Street Fighter, I think it's obvious that it's intended to be a friendly thing. That doesn't I, mean that it's not hard for fully in practice. Well, I think they want us to think it's friendly, and maybe they think it's friendly. But I think some of those characters were not bit like some of those characters when they were made. I am not convinced that there was not some unpleasantness in their creation. Hmm. But that's another conversation. And this one seems like it's it's pretty well run its course. Well, I mean, like there, there's a big there's a big grappler in a huge robot with like relatively simplistic plating and less less fancy features than all the others. And oh, did you think he was Russian? No, he's Greece. He's Greek. Well, and he's got like a Spartan helmet. I mean, like he. <laughs> well, sure, 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 but like, if you were to follow the stereotype to its conclusion, it would be a Russian robot. Sure, sure. I don't know. I like. Yeah, I don't know that there's too much to say along that subject. I think the character design is enjoyable, and I think it nails what Street Fighter is going for and failing to reach. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's good. It's certainly good i think there's i don't like vlad i really don't like Vlad <laughs> in any way shape or form i don't like vlad's gameplay design i don't like his visual style i don't like anything about fucking vlad and i think it's kind of adorable when he gets grabbed and he kind of by crow and he looks around like huh what's happening oh no i think that's pretty well animated yeah see the thing i have most seen of Vlad is not that. I have more seen the part of Vlad where he's like, I'm going to use this uppercut the entire day and now I'm in the air and flying and doing crazy mix-ups on you and sitting on your face and 
They're the ones who like the game. Not me. <laughs> I like the game. I like the game. I don't like. I don't like Vlad. I, like, and I don't like what it. Like, actually, let me complain for a moment. Shell is way too good at a, like the lowest possible level. Shell is way too easy to learn how to be basically competent with and is way too hard to learn how to deal with at the base most basic level. So she is exactly like every shorter character ever. Good job. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely something intimidating about her. Well, I mean, like, she she can throw a wall of fireballs at you and if you try to jump over them, uh, then she can uppercut you with, like, the best uppercut I have ever seen in a video game. I don't know, Mortal Kombat kind of has the uppercut game down pat. Well, I mean, like, if... I, I'm talking game balance-wise. Like, it has so much invulnerability. It is impossible to beat it in any way. It just wins. I, I can see that. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe... Maybe we'll end up talking more about this game in the future. But for now, I feel like we've pretty well covered it. I have some closing statements. I'm sorry I haven't said it m- much this whole podcast because, to be honest, most of this terminology goes over my head. That it, That's fine. That's fine. To try to close this out... <laughs> to try to close this out, mm-hmm. I'm... Colin is very negative about this. Ben is obviously even more positive than I am. But what I will say for Rising Thunder is that it is the only game in which I am even, like, I get matched with people whose skill level are that, that they are entry-level tournament players. That would not happen in any other fighting game. And I have played 200 matches of this game, yes, but I have not dedicated myself to this game in the way I've dedicated myself to to fighting games previously. I have learned this so much faster than anything else. And if that isn't a testament to the the fact that what they are doing are, is at least partially working, I don't know what is. I I don't I don't know what is. Uh, <laughs> Colin, goddammit. I would like them to do more. I would like them to get much further than this, but Yeah, I'm, I'm with Johnny on that because the few times that I've able, the few times that I've played online matches against people, I've actually found myself holding my own, which happens basically none of the times when I actually play online, literally any other fighting game, and that feels nice. Yeah. Well, thanks everybody for joining us on this episode. Um... I know we got to do more of these soon. We took way too long recording this one. Um, yeah. All right. I'm uh, I'm Colin Detmar. You can find me on Twitter at six two six four, and also I uh, am one of two writers for Scanline Media at scanlinemedia.com, which is where you will find this podcast. Um, yeah. Yeah. The okay. same applies to me, except I'm Ben Uncle, and my, I can be found at at jbu three on Twitter. My name is Johnny Niska. I do things. I mostly do podcasting things right now, I guess. 
and I can be found at at Johnny Warbzone on Twitter. And thank you everybody for joining us. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.